Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a sedative for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, we brought this feature over from Sports Beat AM. Darren Pritchett back with you on this Monday evening, 545 at WSBT. Very simple on my Twitter account, which has been renamed today at 960 Sports Beat. At 960 Sportsbeat, that's where you'll find our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. On Friday, Sportsbeat AM, I asked this question. What will be your favorite NFL broadcast team this fall? A lot of changes taking place. Buck and Aikman go from Fox to ESPN. Al Michaels on Amazon. Tariko goes from Notre Dame football to Sunday Night Football. So a lot of new combinations, but some old standbys are... Still going to be heard as well. So, your four choices. What will be your favorite NFL broadcast team? The choices were Nance Romo, Michaels Herb Street, Tariko Collinsworth, Buck Aikman. Fourth place in the voting, the new ESPN Monday Night Football team, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman only got 5.1% of the vote. Third place in the voting, The new Amazon Thursday night team. This will be an interesting combination. Al Michaels with Kirk Herbstreet. Second place in the voting. Who will be your favorite NFL broadcast team this fall? All reliable on CBS, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. They got 34.2% of the vote. And winning this particular vote... The new Sunday Night Football combo, although you've heard them from time to time when Mike Tirico filled in for Al Michaels, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth got 41.8% of the vote. Buck and Aikman are really, really good. There's this Joe Buck thing with a lot of people that I've never understood. He is a really, really good broadcaster. So Buck Aikman only getting 5.1%. Maybe people are just tired after, what, 20 years together? They want some new combinations. Hence, Tariko Collinsworth winning the vote. I have a feeling with a lot of Notre Dame fans following me and with Tariko being a big hit, I mean, he was the best play-by-play broadcaster that Notre Dame has had on NBC since they started back in the 90s. I think he's just absolutely spectacular. Tariko Collinsworth. Win our vote, 41.8%. He's got that Notre Dame tie. All right, let's get to today's Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. Again, you can find it right now on my Twitter account at 
960 Sportsbeat. Which of these two Notre Dame quarterback storylines are you most nervous about? Choice number one, sophomore Tyler Buckner and his first year as a starting quarterback for the Irish. Choice number two, the Irish trying to pick up five-star recruit Dante Moore for the class of 2023. So again, which of these two Notre Dame quarterback storylines are you most nervous about? Maybe you think Buckner's going to be great, so you vote for Moore. Maybe you're just wanting Dante Moore so bad, you vote for him. The voting right now is about 65-35. We'll let you go online to check out the voting, and we'd love for you to vote on Twitter on my account at 960 Sportsbeat. 549 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the Chicago Bears schedule is out. What stands out about this year's Chicago Bears schedule? Looked at it over the weekend and picked up a few things. Let's have a conversation about this Chicago Bears football team with Justin Fields ready to go at quarterback. He doesn't have to worry about the offensive coaches that, well, struggle with him last year. No more Matt Nagy has to have Bears fans absolutely giddy. Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator, Indianapolis Colts, is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. Brought in a Packers field to the offensive coaching staff. So what stands out about this Bears schedule? First things first, it's a tough start to the year. You place... You face two playoff teams right off the bat, the San Francisco 49ers at Soldier Field, and then you go to Lambeau Field to play on the frozen tundra. Well, it's not frozen yet, but the Green Bay Packers are up second. These are two playoff teams, and we all know the Chicago Bears will be the underdog in both of these contests. Just a little history lesson, not trying to hit the panic button. On May the 16th, before the game started in September, But those are two games that the Bears could lose. Niners and Packers, two great football teams. Niners almost went to the Super Bowl. The Niners knocked the Packers out of the postseason. From 1990 through 2020, 258 teams started 0-2. Only 30 of those 258 made the postseason. That is 11.6%. So, based on history... Try to split those first two games, but it's going to be tough. Also, this Bears schedule. Weeks four through eight, four road games in five weeks. That is a grind for any football team. October 2nd, they go to New Jersey to take on the New York Giants. The G-Men with Daniel Jones back for one more try as their starting quarterback. Seven days later. The Bears head to the Twin Cities to take on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Then a short week, Thursday night football, October the 13th on Amazon Prime. It'll be the Bears hosting the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. Who will play better that day? Which starting quarterback, Justin Fields or Carson Wentz? With the Thursday night game, then they don't play again for 11 days when the Bears will play a Monday night contest in Foxborough against the New England Patriots, and they wrap up this 
five-game stretch with four road games, October 30th. They get to watch Jerry Jones clap from his suite as the Bears travel to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. That is not an easy stretch, just being on the road four times in five weeks. Patriots and Cowboys back-to-back, that's going to be a handful. The other three, winnable, Giants, Vikings, and Commanders. Here's the good news. When it gets time for the playoff push, four of the last five games for the Bears are at home. Might be a little cold and chilly. So after a bye, December 18th, the Bears will host the Philadelphia Eagles with their brand-new weapon, A.J. Brown, the wide receiver coming over from Tennessee. Christmas Eve, a dandy matchup, December 24th, The Buffalo Bills will visit the Chicago Bears. The one road game will be January 1st at the Lions, and the Bears wrap up the season at home against the Vikings on January the 8th. I was kind of curious, is there any carryover from Colts opponents last year to the Bears this year? There are five teams that Matt Eberflus got ready for as defensive coordinator for the Colts last year that are on the Bears' schedule. They are the Miami Dolphins the Houston Texans, the San Francisco 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, and the New England Patriots. I would say Niners, Bills, Patriots, that is a nice advantage to have. Having game plan for those three football teams last year, they're going to be on the Bears' schedule this year. And finally, a four-game stretch where the Bears don't play a team with a winning record last year, week three through six. Maybe you can make some hay. We talked about those first two games being difficult. 49ers at Packers, well, maybe if things go right, you're 4-2 and two after that stretch because weeks three through six, Lovey Smith brings his Houston Texans into Chicago. Texans were 4-13 and 13 last year. Then the road game against the Giants, 4-13. and 13. Then you've got the game against the Vikings in Minneapolis. Minnesota was 8-9. And the final game in that stretch against teams that did not have a winning record last year, the Washington Commanders went 7-10. and Seven teams make the postseason out of the NFC. The AFC is top-heavy. More dominant teams, it would appear, than the NFC. So maybe the Bears can make some hay and sneak into the postseason this year with Justin Fields as their starting quarterback. We've got the My 5 question of the day on the way in just a second. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday evening, 555 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett at 559. The My Five works like this. We've got one question for you, and today it is who had the best weekend? Here come five answers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with the Boston Celtics and Grant Williams. For the fourth time in six years, the Celtics will play in the NBA Eastern Conference Final after they beat the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday in their second round, Game 7, 109-81. Williams had one of those great shooting days you can tell your grandkids about. You shot the lights out in Game 7. Williams scored a career-high 27 points as he buried seven three-pointers in the ballgame. Four. Number four, who had the best weekend? The St. Louis Cardinals battery of pitcher Adam Wainwright and catcher Yadier Molina. 
Last night, the Cardinals routed the San Francisco Giants on Sunday Night Baseball here on WSBT Radio. And the battery of Wainwright and Molina set the major league record for wins by a battery. They have now 203 victories. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Well, who had the best weekend? They could be on, I guess, the good and the bad list. The Pittsburgh Pirates. They won a game Sunday against the Cincinnati Reds without getting a base hit. I give them credit. That's hard to do. In fact, the Reds became just the sixth team since 1900 to allow zero hits but lose the game. Three walks, a fielder's choice, the Pirates scored a run, and they did not need a base hit to beat the Cincinnati Reds yesterday one to nothing. Number two. I'm going to go with Harry Heastan had a pretty good weekend. The Fighting Irish offensive line coach picked up his second offensive lineman in the class of 2023. North Carolina, 6'6", 297-pound lineman Sullivan Absher on three consensus ranking. Number 176 player overall in the class of 2023 the 16th best offensive tackle in this class and the fifth best player out of the state of North Carolina. Both of Notre Dame's offensive line commitments in the 2023 class from the state of North Carolina. That doesn't make Mac Brown and the Tar Heels very happy. Number one. And who had the best weekend? Pro sports. How about this? We had seven Game sevens between the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League. The city of Boston had two game sevens. The Bruins lost to the Hurricanes in Raleigh. The Celtics beat the Bucks 109-81. And Dallas, how about that city? They had two game sevens on the same day. Calgary beat the Stars in the NHL. And the Mavericks stunned and destroyed the Phoenix Suns to reach the Western Conference Finals. So what a day for the city of Dallas, even though the NHL game was in Calgary. The sports fans in Dallas had two Game 7s to enjoy yesterday. But Pro Sports, a big winner this weekend with seven Game 7s. Five in the NHL, two in the NBA. And that is today's My 5 Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Stand by. A Sports Center update is coming up next. And also, we'll take a look at the struggles of a guy that the Cubs spent $85 million on in the offseason. That's coming up in a couple of moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Well, we brought this feature over from Sportsbeat AM. Darren Pritchett back with you on this Monday evening, 545 at WSBT. Very simple on my Twitter account, which has been renamed today, at 960 Sportsbeat, at 960 Sportsbeat. That's where you'll find our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. On Friday, Sportsbeat AM, I asked this question, 
What will be your favorite NFL broadcast team this fall? A lot of changes taking place. Buck and Aikman go from Fox to ESPN. Al Michaels on Amazon. Tariko goes from Notre Dame football to Sunday Night Football. So a lot of new combinations, but some old standbys are still going to be heard as well. So your four choices. What will be your favorite NFL broadcast team? The choices were Nance Romo, Michaels Herb Street, Tariko Collinsworth, Buck Aikman. Fourth place in the voting, the new ESPN Monday Night Football team, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman only got 5.1% of the vote. Third place in the voting, the new Amazon Thursday Night team. This will be an interesting combination, Al Michaels with Kirk Herbstreet. Second place in the voting, who will be your favorite NFL broadcast team this fall? All Reliable on CBS, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. They got 34.2% of the vote. And winning this particular vote, the new Sunday Night Football combo, although you've heard them from time to time when Mike Tirico filled in for Al Michaels. Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth got 41.8% of the vote. Buck and Aikman are really, really good. There's this Joe Buck thing with a lot of people that I've never understood. He is a really, really good broadcaster. So Buck Aikman only getting 5.1%. Maybe people are just tired after, what, 20 years together? They want some new combinations. Hence, Tariko Collinsworth winning the vote. I have a feeling with a lot of Notre Dame fans following me and with Tariko being a big hit, I mean, he was the best play-by-play broadcaster that Notre Dame has had on NBC since they started back in the 90s. I think he's just absolutely spectacular. Tariko Collinsworth win our vote 41.8%. He's got that Notre Dame tie. All right, let's get to today's Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. Again, you can find it right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. Which of these two Notre Dame quarterback storylines are you most nervous about? Choice number one, sophomore Tyler Buckner and his first year as a starting quarterback for the Irish. Choice number two, the Irish trying to pick up five-star recruit Dante Moore for the class of 2023. So again, which of these two Notre Dame quarterback storylines are you most nervous about? Maybe you think Buckner's going to be great, so you vote for Moore. Maybe you're just wanting Dante Moore so bad, you vote for him. The voting right now is about 65-35. We'll let you go online to check out the voting, and we'd love for you to vote on Twitter on my account at 960 Sportsbeat. 549 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the Chicago Bears schedule is out. What stands out about this year's Chicago Bears schedule? Looked at it over the weekend and picked up a few things. Let's have a conversation about this Chicago Bears football team with Justin Fields ready to go at quarterback. He doesn't have to worry about the offensive coaches that, well, struggle with him last year. No more Matt Nagy has to have Bears fans absolutely giddy. Matt Eberflus 
defensive coordinator. Indianapolis Colts is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. Brought in a Packers feel to the offensive coaching staff. So what stands out about this Bears schedule? First things first, it's a tough start to the year. You place, you face two playoff teams right off the bat, the San Francisco 49ers at Soldier Field, and then you go to Lambeau Field to play on the frozen tundra. Well, it's not frozen yet, but the Green Bay Packers are up second. These are two playoff teams, and we all know the Chicago Bears will be the underdog in both of these contests. Just a little history lesson, not trying to hit the panic button on May the 16th before the game started in September, but those are two games that the Bears could lose. Niners and Packers, two great football teams. Niners almost went to the Super Bowl. The Niners knocked the Packers out of the postseason. From 1990 through 2020, 258 teams started 0-2. Only 30 of those 258 made the postseason. That is 11.6%. So, based on history, try to split those first two games, but it's going to be tough. Also, this Bears schedule, weeks four through eight, four road games in five weeks. That is a grind for any football team. October 2nd, they go to New Jersey to take On the New York Giants, the G-Men, with Daniel Jones back for one more try as their starting quarterback. Seven days later, the Bears head to the Twin Cities to take on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Then a short week, Thursday night football, October the 13th on Amazon Prime. It'll be the Bears hosting the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. Who will play better that day? Which starting quarterback, Justin Fields or Carson Wentz? With the Thursday night game, then they don't play again for 11 days when the Bears will play a Monday night contest in Foxborough against the New England Patriots, and they wrap up this five-game stretch with four road games October 30th. They get to watch Jerry Jones clap from his suite as the Bears travel to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. That is not an easy stretch, just being on the road four times in five weeks. Patriots and Cowboys back-to-back, that's going to be a handful. The other three, winnable, Giants, Vikings, and Commanders. Here's the good news. When it gets time for the playoff push, Four of the last five games for the Bears are at home. Might be a little cold and chilly. So after a bye, December 18th, the Bears will host the Philadelphia Eagles with their brand-new weapon, A.J. Brown, the wide receiver coming over from Tennessee. Christmas Eve, a dandy matchup. December 24th, the Buffalo Bills will visit the Chicago Bears. The one road game will be January 1st at the Lions, and the Bears wrap up the season at home against the Vikings on January the 8th. I was kind of curious, is there any carryover from Colts opponents last year to the Bears this year? There are five teams that Matt Eberflus got ready for as defensive coordinator for the Colts last year that are on the Bears' schedule. They are the Miami Dolphins, the Houston Texans, the San Francisco 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, and the New England Patriots. I would say Niners, Bills, Patriots, that is a nice advantage to have, having... 
game plan for those three football teams last year. They're going to be on the Bears' schedule this year. And finally, a four-game stretch where the Bears don't play a team with a winning record last year, week three through six. Maybe you can make some hay. We talked about those first two games being difficult, 49ers at Packers. Well, maybe if things go right, you're four and two after that stretch. Because weeks three through six, Lovey Smith brings his Houston Texans into Chicago. Texans were four and thirteen last year. Then the road game against the Giants, four and thirteen. Then you've got the game against the Vikings in Minneapolis. Minnesota was eight and nine. And the final game in that stretch against teams that did not have a winning record last year, the Washington Commanders went seven and ten. Seven teams make the postseason out of the NFC. The AFC is top-heavy. More dominant teams, it would appear, than the NFC. So maybe the Bears can make some hay and sneak into the postseason this year with Justin Fields as their starting quarterback. We've got the My 5 question of the day on the way in just a second. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday evening, 555 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett at 559. The My Five works like this. We've got one question for you, and today it is who had the best weekend? Here come five answers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with the Boston Celtics and Grant Williams. For the fourth time in six years, the Celtics will play in the NBA Eastern Conference Final after they beat the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday in their second round, Game 7, 109-81. Williams had one of those great shooting days you can tell your grandkids about. You shot the lights out in Game 7. Williams scored a career-high 27 points as he buried seven three-pointers in the ball game. Four. Number four, who had the best weekend? The St. Louis Cardinals battery of pitcher Adam Wainwright and catcher Yadier Molina. Last night, the Cardinals routed the San Francisco Giants on Sunday Night Baseball here on WSBT Radio. And the battery of Wainwright and Molina set the major league record for wins by a battery. They have now 200 and three victories. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Well, who had the best weekend? They could be on, I guess, the good and the bad list. The Pittsburgh Pirates. They won a game Sunday against the Cincinnati Reds without getting a base hit. I give them credit. That's hard to do. In fact, the Reds became just the sixth team since 1900 to allow zero hits but lose the game. Three walks, a fielder's choice, the Pirates scored a run, and they did not need a base hit to beat the Cincinnati Reds yesterday, one to nothing. Number two. I'm going to go with Harry Heastan had a pretty good weekend. The Fighting Irish offensive line coach picked up his second offensive lineman in the class of 2023. North Carolina, 6'6", 297-pound lineman Sullivan Absher on three consensus ranking. Number 176 player overall in the class of 2023. The 16th best offensive tackle in this class and the fifth best player 
out of the state of North Carolina, both of Notre Dame's offensive line commitments in the 2023 class from the state of North Carolina. That doesn't make Mac Brown and the Tar Heels very happy. Number one. And who had the best weekend? Pro sports. How about this? We had seven game sevens between the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League. The city of Boston had two game sevens. The Bruins lost to the Hurricanes in Raleigh. The Celtics beat the Bucks 109-81. And Dallas, how about that city? They had two game sevens on the same day. Calgary beat the Stars in the NHL. And the Mavericks stunned and destroyed the Phoenix Suns to reach the Western Conference Finals. So what a day for the city of Dallas, even though the NHL game was in Calgary. The sports fans in Dallas had two game sevens to enjoy yesterday. But pro sports, a big winner this weekend with seven game sevens. Five in the NHL, two in the NBA. And that is today's My Five Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Stand by, a Sports Center update is coming up next. And also, we'll take a look at the struggles of a guy that the Cubs spent $85 million on in the offseason. That's coming up in a couple of moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run, Eloy Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett. And welcome to the second hour of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Monday, May the 16th of 2022, 12 minutes after 6 o'clock. The program is being brought to you by Budweiser, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Pet Refuges, ABC Clinic, Barnaby's uh, Mishawaka and Granger, and Tim Growl. State Farm Insurance. No South Bend Cubs baseball tonight on WSBT Radio. The Cubbies just wrapped up a 12-game homestand. They went 10-2, if I'm not mistaken. Off to Appleton to take on those pesky timber rattlers from Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Brewers affiliate starting tomorrow night right here on WSBT Radio. As you probably heard in our Sports Center update just a moment ago, the Irish football team got a defensive line commitment today. Owen Waffle out of New Jersey. He's in the class of 2024, so it'll be a year and a half before he signs on the dotted line with the Fighting Irish. But what appears to be an interior defensive lineman of the future for the Fighting Irish, he picked Notre Dame over Rutgers, Michigan State, Iowa, and Clark Lee's Vanderbilt Commodore 62267 out of New Jersey. For more information on Owen Waffle, check out Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com right now. They've got that $1 deal for a year still available for Irish fans, so you can check out all of their premium content, including several stories on 
Owen Waffle right now at blueandgold.com. Mike Singer, who handles the recruiting for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He was on Sportsbeat AM every Tuesday morning. He's going to join me every Tuesday evening at 6.07 to talk the latest in Fighting Irish football recruiting. So not only will we ask him about Owen Waffle on tomorrow's program over the weekend, the Irish got that offensive line commitment for the 23 class from North Carolina's Sullivan Absher. So all the details on those two commitments. Plus, the Irish are hot right now. Seven commitments in the last month. What's next? Should we expect more commitments coming up in the month of May? Is Dante Moore on that list? We'll find out when we talk to Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated on tomorrow's program right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Suzuki racing for second and he'll slide in with a double. 107.9 on the exit below. And he just missed getting it out. That is Boog Shambi on Marquee Sports Network earlier this year. A three-hit game for Seiya Suzuki in the month of April when he was one of the big stories in Major League Baseball coming over from Japan, signing the big deal with the Cubs five years $85 million after nine really good years in Japan, hitting 315 over there with a 414 on base, a 985 OPS. He had 182 home runs in nine years and 486 walks with only 569 strikeouts. Many major league teams went after the services of Seiya Suzuki. He picked the Chicago Cubs, one of the big reasons why. Yu Darvish, also from Japan. Suzuki asked his opinion about Yu Darvish's time pitching for the Chicago Cubs, and Yu gave him the thumbs up. Rave reviews about playing for the Chicago Cubs, the city of Chicago, playing at Wrigley Field. So that was a major factor in Suzuki joining the Cubs after a five-year, $85 million deal. And in the month of April, folks, it looked like the Cubs had the steal of the century he was the player of the month in the national league from a rookie standpoint where he hit 279 the on-base percentage a whopping 405 a really good slugging percentage of 529 and ops anything over 800 is really good in april suzuki was at 934 you break it down he went 19 for 68 with five doubles four home runs 14 RBI, walked 14 times, and scored 13 times. Turned out to be a major catalyst for a Cubs offense that needs a couple of more catalysts besides Seiya Suzuki. Now, over in Japan, they're known for throwing a lot of breaking balls. And Suzuki, he hammered every breaking ball it seemed like he saw in the month of April. As we all know, Once Major League Baseball gets to know you, they start to chart everything. Everything Seiya Suzuki does, they look for weaknesses. And once we started to head to the end of April and into May, Major League Baseball made the adjustment. And the adjustment was fastballs. Fastballs up and fastballs in tight to Suzuki. 
And so far, he has not been able to make that adjustment to conquer those pitches. And Major League Baseball pitchers will continue to go to that well until Suzuki consistently burns them. After that great month of April, baseball did make the adjustments. And the result, in May so far, and we're halfway through May, Suzuki is 7 for 33, a 212 batting average with a 278 on base. And the OPS, remember, 800's really good. 641 so far in May. He has not homered. He has only driven in two runs. The walks are down. The strikeouts are up. Not a good combination. In the month of May so far, after walking 14 times in April, he's walked three times in May. After 23 strikeouts in April, he's halfway to that total, halfway through May. He's got 12 strikeouts in 33 at-bats. You have to give this guy time. It is an adjustment that he's making. I think he probably overachieved in April. And he's underachieving in May. I don't believe the player we're seeing in May is the true Seiya Suzuki. It's probably somewhere in the middle. It's an old saying, but I think that is the case with Suzuki. He's going to make adjustments. He's going to be able to handle those fastballs. It's something that you're going to work on. And we've seen a little uptick in his offense the last few games. Now, suffered a bit of an ankle injury. And that has slowed him down a tad bit the last couple of days. In fact, missing a little time in the lineup. But when you break down the numbers a little further, it's kind of funny. I remember talking about Suzuki early on, first week and a half of the season. And on Sportspeed AM, I made reference. He's batting sixth a lot early in the season. And that's just way too low in a lineup that features not a lot of pop or wild players in the Cubs lineup. Now, I totally understood why David Ross was doing it. It wasn't a criticism because they wanted to work him in slowly. They weren't going to just put him number two, number three in the lineup and say, here you go. They wanted him to settle in. And boy, did he ever. But in today's game, your best hitter normally hits second, if not second, third. And the Cubs moved Suzuki, as they should have, up in the order. But they didn't get the results they were looking for. Now, it probably tied into the fact that teams changed the way they pitched Suzuki. Because he showed in April he was going to spray the ball to all fields. But then the fastballs up, fastballs in, became more a consistent part of the repertoire for pitchers. And now he's scuffling. It's really interesting because he should be batting second as the best hitter on the Cubs roster, in my opinion. You could argue Wilson Contreras is another option. He's hit very well the last few weeks. But Suzuki moved up to a key spot in the lineup, hitting second this year. He's 12 for 62, hitting 194 with a 265 on base. No homers, five RBI, six walks. And he has struck out a third of the time, 22 times in 62 at-bats. There is more pressure. There is more attention on the number two hitter in a lineup at the major league level. And teams have buried him since moving up to the two spot. Now, they've shifted him around. But it's interesting. Now, is this fluke? Probably. But hitting fifth is his best spot in the order 
six for 21, a 286 average. He's got four homers and eight RBI hitting fifth with a 400 on base percentage, four walks, and only six strikeouts. So if you want to play the numbers, if you're David Ross, number five would appear to be the spot for Seiya Suzuki. I think we all know this, unless you are a diehard Cub fan that wears the blinders, this is not going to be a team that is going to be able to make a push for 500 this year unless they start bringing up some of their young kids and maybe they start to click like those Cubs did in 2014. You saw the young pups come to the majors and they started to turn the corner. Then Bryant came up in 2015 and off to the races went the Chicago Cubs. Now they won their title, probably should have won more, but I've always felt like Theo Epstein created a championship and also put that team in some very difficult spots by decisions that he made. But the Cubs aren't contenders right now. They can let Seiya Suzuki figure this out, and he will figure it out. He is too talented of a hitter. You watch him, sprays the ball to all fields. When you can do that, you're going to have success at the major league level, and he's going to work on hitting that fastball And I would not be surprised before the end of the year, those inside fastballs that are hurting him become base hits. And maybe he does some damage with those particular pitches. What I think is very interesting, and we're talking about here soon, the Cubs are rebuilding. And they've got, I would say, some good candidates for their outfield for 2024. I believe 2024 is the year the Cubs once again try to compete for a division title. Next year, they're probably going to start building toward that and may come up short unless they just go crazy in free agency. But I think Mr. Ricketts has lost his credit card the last few years, although I think he might have taken away the credit card from Epstein after that horrible Hayward deal that Theo put together for Mr. Jason Hayward that has not turned out well. They won a championship with him, and he was a part of that, no doubt, but just not getting the production offensively that you want out of a guy making $180, $200 million over a long-term deal, and he still has one year left on that deal. He'll be getting another $25 million next year from the Chicago Cubs. But you look at the outfield of the future. Sam Suzuki is going to be the right fielder. Brennan Davis, a part of the 2019 South Bend Cub team. He's got a back injury he's dealing with right now at AAA Iowa. Has not hit well early on. I was hoping it wasn't because the Cubs moved his hands and it affected his stroke early on, but apparently he's been dealing with that back. Tried to battle through it, couldn't. So Davis on the shelf now, but either later on this year or next year, he's going to be the starting center fielder or left fielder for the Chicago Cubs. So when you look ahead to 2024, Davis and Suzuki appear to be two of the three outfielders. Who's the third? Good question. Do they stick with Ian Happ? I doubt it. Nelson Velasquez, a part of the 19 South Bend Cub championship team, started the year double A, tore the cover off the baseball. He's now at triple A Iowa. He's knocking on the door. Alexander Canario had a home run binge here in South Bend before getting promoted to double A Tennessee. I think he still has some holes in his swing. He's going to have to figure out as he goes up the chain, but has amazing power. He's a part of the Chris Bryant deal with the Giants. That could turn out to be a very important trade. They got a first-round pick from the Mets, who's an outfielder for Javier Baez. 
He should be in South Bend, I would think, later on this year. If not this year, he'll start next year in South Bend. So the Cubs have a lot of parts in the outfield to choose from. Now, would they go all in on Aaron Judge, the Yankee outfielder who's going to become a free agent at the end of the year? Would the Cubs get back into the free agent market? That would be a pretty good choice if they wanted to get back into the high-dollar business of free agency. If not, Davis, Suzuki, and somebody is going to take over in that Cubs outfield as they start pushing toward 2024 and trying to get back to the postseason. But Seiya Suzuki right now looking to find it. Hitting 257 for the year, 367 the on base, four homers, 16 RBI, and still looking for that first home run in the month of May. 626 is our time. Our sports wagering segment for Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the way next from Sports Radio 960 WSPT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. And it's time for our sports wagering segment on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Darren Pritchett with you. We call this sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler, as a tip of the hat to the classic 1980s movie, White Men Can't Jump. And the guys in the movie would try to make some cash on the basketball court, make enough money so they could go to Sizzler to have a good meal. So... We're trying to make some money so we can go to Sizzler, or in this case, our sponsor, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Started this segment when Sportsbeat AM came about in June of last year, and we're going to bring it to Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat. And had a really good end to the month of April, was doing very well in May, but we're going to start the totals over since we're starting a brand new show today, so... Everything is zero and zero for the month of May and for 2022. I offer suggestions on a daily basis. Then we come back the next day, review the suggestions, see if we can learn anything, and then come up with some new suggestions. Now, on Sportsbeat AM, I was giving you three suggestions and an underdog pick. We're going to go with four suggestions and an underdog pick here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, my content partner, BetMGM, is supplying all of the odds and the numbers that you're going to hear about in this particular segment. So let's see if we can come up with a couple of winners today. Now, my first choice has already been rained out, Cardinals and Mets in the Big Apple, so that game has been replaced. So our first of four suggestions for our sports wagering segment today is the Chicago White Sox visiting the Kansas City Royals. Now, the pitching matchup, I think it's a major factor in this play. Johnny Cueto, the veteran right-hander, called up from the minors by the White Sox to get the start at Kauffman Stadium tonight. He is a old veteran who has not pitched a whole lot the last couple of years due to injury. You're asking him to be a fifth starter. 
not a number one starter like he was 10 years ago. So lower the expectations. If you can get four innings, two runs allowed, I think that is a major success tonight. Now, both of these teams are struggling offensively. But I really like the Royal starter, Brad Keller, a 270 ERA. His whip right now is below one. He is giving up less than one base runner per inning pitched so far this year. So with Keller going up against Cueto, my first suggestion for today, Royals on the money line against the White Sox at minus 110. The second suggestion is the Houston Astros at Fenway Park taking on the Boston Red Sox tonight. The Red Sox right now are 12-plus games out of first place in the America League East. The last time the Red Sox were 12 or more games out of first place in their division on May the 16th, 1932. J.D. Martinez is hitting. That's a positive. Xander Bogarts, their all-star shortstop, who knows, he could be traded. There seems to be a dispute over contract and cast between the two sides. The Astros are red hot right now, so I'm going to ride the Strohs, who are the road underdog tonight. I'm going to take the Astros on the money line at Fenway over the Red Sox, Jake Odorizzi versus Garrett Whitlock tonight in this matchup. Whitlock's been really, really good, but I'm going to go with the veteran Odorizzi and the Astros swinging the bat extremely well. Jeremy Pena, played in the Midwest League All-Star game in South Bend in 2019, is tearing it up right now for Houston. The third of four suggestions in our We Going to Sizzler sports wagering segment. It is a matchup between the Marlins and the Nationals down in Miami. Nationals right now, you could argue, the worst team in the National League, even with Juan Soto on their roster. The Marlins are going with their outstanding right-hander, Sandy Alcantara, an all-star. And this right-hander, a little less than a strikeout per inning, has a great fastball. He has turned out to be a terrific young pitcher in the National League. He'll go up against an old veteran in Aaron Sanchez, who is just filling a spot right now in the Nationals' starting rotation. I'm going to go with the Marlins minus one and a half runs against the Nationals at plus 110. So this means not only do the Marlins have to win, they have to win by two or more runs to win this wager. So Marlins minus one and a half runs versus the Nationals at plus 110. So go Sandy Alcantara tonight. And our fourth suggestion for our sports wagering segment for tonight It is the Atlanta Braves, the defending world champions up in Milwaukee to take on the defending NL Central champion, Milwaukee Brewers. You've got Freddie Peralta and Ian Anderson on the mound for the respective teams. Peralta was that really good starter for the Brewers last year. They got no attention because Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns were also in the rotation. Burns won the Cy Young Award. Peralta has been hit around a little bit more this year than last year. Both of these offenses can be hit and miss. The Brewers are the home team. I'm a bigger believer believer in Peralta than Anderson, so I'm going to go with the Brewers on the money line against the Braves at minus 140. The Brewers are up two and a half games over St. Louis in the NL Central. The Cardinals have played 18 games over teams with a winning record. The Brewers have played four, those four games, against St. Louis in Milwaukee where they went two and two. 
So a lot of difficult games coming up for the Brewers. They have played the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates a lot. The Cardinals have not played the Cubs. They played the Pirates two times and the Reds three times. That could be important moving forward. But I'm going to take the Brewers tonight on the money line against the Braves. My underdog pick for tonight, this has to be a plus wager in order to qualify to be used. And I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road, on the money line against the Chicago Cubs. You get the Pirates at plus 125. Dylan Peters against Drew Smiley. The Buccos got no hit and one last time out. So they've got to have a few hits stored away in the bat closet. Smiley has been inconsistent. Peters has actually been pretty good for Pittsburgh. He's kind of a spot starter. I'm just going to need an underdog from somewhere, so I'm going to go with the Pirates on the money line at the Cubs at plus 125. But the four regular suggestions for tonight, Royals on the money line against the White Sox, Astros on the money line at the Red Sox, Marlins minus one and a half runs against the Nationals, Brewers on the money line against the Braves, and that underdog pick, we're going to just see if we can steal one with the Pirates on the money line at the Cubs at plus 125. I think I was, what was it, 13 and 7 or 8 on Sportsbeat AM in May. So it was a good month, but we're starting fresh with a brand new show. So hopefully we can get off to a good start with those suggestions for tonight. It is 18 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Sports Beat AM. We'll set up what's coming up tonight with our local teams in just a moment, plus a recap of the Notre Dame football recruiting news of the day. That's coming up from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on on this Monday evening. Darren Pritchett with you from our WSBT studios in downtown South Bend, a couple of blocks from Four Winds Field, where we've got some high school baseball action taking place tonight. Second straight year, Mishawaka Baseball is taking a home game to where the South Bend Cubs play. They're taking on an outstanding Northridge team Tonight, last time I heard, Mishawaka was up 2-1 in the ball game. John Glenn and Marion playing a really good NIC game tonight. So some good high school baseball in the area this evening. So what should we expect tonight? Well, first off, before we get to some pitching matchups and what's happening with some of our local teams, let's remind you, if you're just joining us or you haven't caught the whole show, the Irish had a verbal commitment today for the class of 2024, the football team has received a commitment from a defensive lineman from New Jersey, Owen Waffle. He's a four-star, probably an interior defensive lineman. Right now, 6'2", 267. Might be that Kurt Hines type, that high-motor guy that the Irish have had. He picked the Irish over Rutgers, Vanderbilt, Michigan State, and Iowa's made a couple of trips to South Bend, watched a spring practice a few weeks ago, and he is the second member of the class of 2024. The other is also a defensive lineman, 
Brandon Davis Swain. So Owen Waffle, the latest verbal commitment for the Fighting Irish football team. Seven commitments in the last month, two in the 24 class, five in the 23 class. For more information on Owen and everything happening with Fighting Irish football recruiting and Notre Dame athletics, make sure you check out my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike Singer, the recruiting insider from Blue and Gold, will join me tomorrow to talk about Owen Waffle and also the offensive line commitment at the Fighting Irish Scout over the weekend in Sullivan, Absher. All right, let's get to some of the things to watch for tonight. We start with Major League Baseball. The White Sox and the Royals are going to square off at 8-10 Eastern time. The White Sox have recalled veteran right-handed pitcher Johnny Cueto. He'll take the baseball for the Southsiders against right-hander Brad Keller at 270 ERA. Both teams are not great offensively right now. The Sox are looking to get back to the 500 mark. They're one game under after losing three out of four to the Yankees over the weekend at Guaranteed Rate Field. Sox are a 500 team on the road. They are 7-7. and And Jose Abreu, man, was he excited on Saturday. He broke an 0-for-21 stretch with a little jam shot single to center field. He had a fun little celebration at first base. It was like he was taking the weight of the world off his shoulders and had a pretty good dance in the dugout as well. Boy, when Abreu is scuffling, and with the way a lot of other guys are hitting right now, that's a major concern. Luis Roberts locked in, though, hitting 400 over his last 12 games. The White Sox are expecting Abreu to get going. I guarantee you, we get to September, he'll be closing in on 30 homers, probably 90, 95 RBI. It's just what Jose Abreu does. Some news surrounding the White Sox, Lance Lynn, Starting pitcher who has not pitched so far in the regular season after undergoing right knee surgery during spring training. He could start facing hitters after he throws at least one more bullpen, according to Sox manager Tony LaRussa. Lynn is expected to pitch in a game by early June. That's good news for the Southsiders. Tigers, finally, some good baseball. They swept the Baltimore Orioles in a three-game set over the weekend. They're going to take on the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. That game just getting going. Alex Fayeto, 0-1 with a 360 earn run average, goes for the Tigers. The Rays will go with former Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber, 1-2 with a 4.55 earn run average. Detroit right now is 11-23, but on the road they are just 3-10. The Tigers will... Hopefully get Jonathan Scope going. Boy, oh boy, he has just had a rough go so far. 123 at-bats, only 19 hits, hitting 154 with a 194 on base. And is slugging 236. Two homers, six RBI for Scope. Well, the Chicago Cubs, they're going to be in action tonight, taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 740. Drew Smiley. The lefty will go for Chicago. He was on a rehab assignment. I believe it was 2019 with the South Bend Cubs. Got let go, and now the Cubs have brought him back. He'll go up against the Pirates, Dylan Peters. 
So the Cubs right now a game and a half behind the Pirates for third place in the National League Central. Cubs don't have to worry about being caught for fourth place because they're in the same division as the Cincinnati Reds. South Bend Cubs are also idle today. They'll play at the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers Tuesday through Sunday, all six games on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, we get some time away from what has been a magical postseason in the NBA and the NHL tonight. Both leagues are off before their next round series get underway tomorrow. The NBA has reached the conference finals tomorrow night. The Boston Celtics fresh off eliminating Pat Connaughton and the Milwaukee Bucks. They'll visit the Miami Heat. There is a Notre Dame tie-in to the Miami Heat. Former Irish guard Chris Quinn has been a long-term assistant coach down there in Miami for the Heat. Game one of the Eastern Conference Final tomorrow night at 8.30. How about out west? Golden State against the Dallas Mavericks. Remember when the postseason started with Luka Doncic, the star of the Mavericks, getting injured? Would he play? Could they beat the Jazz without him? Well, they just annihilated the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix last night in Game 7 of the Western Semifinal to reach the Western Conference Final Mavericks and Warriors Wednesday night. The NHL second round begins tomorrow. Eastern Conference matchup, Tampa Bay at Florida at 7 at 9.30. It's the Blues and the Avalanche. Well, Sports Beat tonight on WSBT Radio has been brought to you by Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. For surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuges, ABC Clinic. South Burnett Drive in South Bend helping fight pet overpopulation. And our longtime sports beat title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. Well, we are winding down Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Monday evening. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to take a look at the Irish run game, how it matches up with the playoff teams from last year. We'll take a look at what stands out with the Indianapolis Colts schedule for 2022. And Mike Singer will talk recruiting at 6.07. It is 6.55 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 